Oh, well, that's not the way you want to start a road trip. Walk-off home run to a rookie called up uh, about a month ago. He's good, but obviously not the greatest pitch from Jordan Hicks, right? Blake was talking about it. A sweeper that was just about as middle-middle as you can get. Maybe just lower than middle-middle, but uh, and maybe that continues to cement the idea that Jordan Romano is the closer and everyone else is just in the mix as high-leverage relief arms. But, you know, even if this loss, a one nothing loss to... Christian Encarnacion Strand and the Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati, even if it is literally on Jordan Hicks for, for throwing that pitch and getting walked off, you just can't put yourself as a team in a position where one run loses you the game. Like maybe you're, it's, I mean, perhaps it's a different conversation if it was, let's say, a 9-8 loss and you get walked off after a whole bunch of runs score and it's a back-and-forth game, I feel like that is, it, contextually, you're viewing that a little different. But in this one, you miss a bunch of batting practice fastballs right down the middle very early in this one. You end this game by getting shut out. It is a, ah, it's just a little embarrassing to see, even if it has sadly become routine. No hits for the Jays after that third inning. They went down. They had, I believe it was the third inning where Matt Chapman uh, maybe missed a three-run jack by what felt like feet. That was a top of the third inning and no hits for the Jays after the top of the third inning, and that is just unacceptable. Like, Bo Bichette is probably going to come back tomorrow, as we know. I think he was with the team today. Maybe he was flying today and is going to be in the action tomorrow. He's just one guy. I am almost certainly that he is going to improve things. We heard John Schneider talk to Blair and Barker earlier today in his weekly appearance that when Bo comes back, he will likely just slot right back in there in the two hole. But even if he does improve things, damn, like there are other guys that need to turn things around when it comes to this offense. And it pretty much feels like it's, it is literally everyone at this stage because a one, nothing loss when you are fighting for your playoff lives is just, it, no matter how you slice it is, uh, is just not good enough. Of course, welcome to Jay stock uh, on the Sportsnet radio network. Streaming live on sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app. Show Ali here with you. Taking your calls and texts. Phone lines are open. 416-870-0590. 590 Star 590 on your cellular device. 590 is 590 is where you can text me. That's the people's text line. And it is always open. You know, earlier today, I, I, was, uh, I was chatting with our Sportsnet colleague and my pal, Jesse Rubinoff. He was hosting one of the morning shows. And I went on with him to chat about the game tonight and we were discussing the pitching matchup, Jose Barrios, Brett Kennedy. We'll talk about Barrios in a sec, but we both remarked that Kennedy's season ERA, even as a spot starter, I think began with a six. And I, I swear we both basically tripped over ourselves to make the, the wry, <laughs> sarcastic remark that the Jays bats were going to make this guy look like the reincarnation of Cy Young himself. And, and then that's exactly what they did. That is exactly what happened tonight. Look, I know Blair has discussed the idea in the past that we're just going to have to get used to seeing lower scoring games in general. And, and I do kind of agree with them, but also it would just be damn good to just occasionally see the bats go to town on an opposing pitcher. They are supposed to go to town against. Like I, I will freely admit I have not looked up the uh, splits or the game logs for Brett Kennedy before tonight, but I got to think that five scoreless is probably his best career start. I would think. I, I I admit I don't have the numbers in front of me, but five scoreless innings, especially giving up some of the pitches he did, walking guys and so on. 
that's probably one of the best results he'll ever have. So, hey, good for him. But uh, it is just, it would be nice to see the bats give their own pitcher some some rope here. Just let the guy off the hook from time to time. Let some of the relievers off the hook from time to time. It is just always, good heavens, a tightrope being walked by every Blue Jays pitcher, especially the starters. There was a there was a text here uh, from DK. I had seen this earlier, and again, 59590 is the text line, name and location. You can text me anytime. You can also give me a call, get to the phone lines in a sec. But this text from DK, it just says, has there ever been a Jays team as bad offensively, including their expansion year? We may never have a pitching staff as good as this year's. It could very well be wasted. If this team misses the postseason, it'll be a, the largest letdown and disappointment in franchise history. If you don't use my text, I'll wait until the end of the season and we'll repeat these words. Okay, so look, I... I without looking at literally every season going back to the seventies, I don't know, probably not the worst team offensively you've ever seen. Having said that I do, I, I take DK's point in the sense that when this team is playing well, offensively specifically, because we have no, we have now come to know, I think as a, a fact of this team, that the pitching and defense is just going to be at worst, still very good. And when they are playing very well, like they did, both pitching and defense played very well for, I would say, 99% of this ball game. You're going to feel pretty good about watching the pitching and defense. It's the offense, of course, that we're consistently talking about. And I would love to just not have to talk about the offense for just one edition of JSTOG. It would be so nice. But at the same time, it's just when this team, when this team looks bad offensively, they look dreadful. Like they really do. It is, it is a tough watch. And I think that's where a lot of the, the angst comes from. And it is certainly well-deserved. I'm not criticizing anyone for being, for being upset about it, but boy, the, the angst when it comes to the offense is, is well-deserved because you know, they can do so much better or you know what? Maybe, maybe I don't know. I would like to think I do, but maybe they don't because the truth is they have, they have just not looked uh, very good. Let's go to the phones. 416-870-0590-188-666-0590 star 590 on your cellular device. Go back to text line 590-590 in a couple of minutes. But uh, to start us off, Aaron joining us from Sydney in Australia. Aaron, what's up? What's uh, going on down under? Hey, show. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for, thanks for calling. What's um, on your mind? Well, it's Saturday morning over here, so it's actually, uh, I'm one of the only Canadians that are happy about an Apple TV broadcast, so <laughs> I get to watch it down here in Sydney. Um, listen, just really, really frustrated by the deployment of the batting lineup. I'm sure a lot, I speak for a lot of Jays fans, I'm frustrated that David Schneider's not getting a go. You know, they brought, this, they brought him up for his offense. You know, you've got Bo Bichette, Kevin Kiermeyer. They're both down in inj- with injuries, and we cannot find a way to get this guy in the lineup. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Obviously, we're struggling with our offense. And, you know, I'm fine with Espinal. I'm fine with Biggio. I, I think they're fine players. But they do not deserve to be in the lineup as often as they are over a guy that, what, he's still batting 385 Schneider, but the poor guy hasn't been able to get in. And it's not just that. It's Springer. You know, you got Springer. He, he, we just had an off day, and he's not in the lineup. Doesn't make sense. Varsho, at the very beginning of the season, the, the kid's coming in. We're all excited about him. You put him at fourth and fifth in the lineup. 
it's just consistently the deployment of, of the players and how they're used just doesn't make sense. And it's very, very frustrating. Hey, Aaron, I, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you for joining me all the way from Australia here, here on JSTOC. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel you. When it comes to the lineup, I, I do agree. And as far as the, the Schneider, Espinal, Biggio situation goes, I got to think that will probably come to a certain head tomorrow. And in, in one way or another, it's coming to a head tomorrow, at least for the next couple of weeks, because with Bo returning tomorrow, and, and I anticipate a lot of tomorrow's Jay's talk is going to focus on that win or loss and how he looks and the knee and all these different things. But with Bo's return, I do wonder what the corresponding move will be versus what perhaps it should be, right? Like Nathan Lucas was already sent down today for the return of Kevin Kiermeyer. Jay Jackson was sent down for the return of Trevor Richards. And I actually do think Jackson will be back. He had an option remaining uh, so perhaps some uh, roster manip- manipulation there, I would think. But uh, still a corresponding move to be made when Bo returns tomorrow. And it would seem the conversation largely revolves around either David Schneider or Santiago Espinal. Honestly, if it was up to me, I'd probably send down Paul DeYoung. But he uh, he does, he's not going to get sent down because he does not have any minor league options remaining. Uh, but if it is between Espinal and Schneider, to Aaron's point... I mean, like, is it crazy to say, kind of to his point, that I personally would also almost rather Espinal going down be the one to go down knowing that you still have De Jong's glove at the very least available defensively? Like, Biggio, certainly not an option in terms of going down. He has been playing so well, generally speaking, as of late, and he'll certainly be in the mix in terms of batting order, although, you know, he's batting cleanup today, but I don't think we're going to see Kevin Biggio batting cleanup too often going forward, but... uh with Kiermaier back, you can have Merrifield at second if you need to, which is probably where he is best. But now you have a glut of middle infielders, and conventional wisdom would say Schneider is the guy to go down tomorrow when Bo returns. But uh, like, am I am I crazy for saying I'd rather see what is potentially there from Davis Schneider? Like we're far enough removed from that wild three game series in Boston to say that Davis Schneider will not hit like prime Babe Ruth the rest of his career, but. I don't know. That would have been nice, but there's still so much potentially there versus what we probably all know what Espinal is at this point. I don't know if the wasn't there defensively, certainly because still offensively it's like so far we've seen, it's kind of like a black hole, unfortunately, but when, when needed, I'd probably lean Espinal if it wasn't for De Jong, but knowing that his glove is there, I don't know. Like I think I'd rather kind of just see what there is still with David Schneider, but may, I mean, it would, again, it would seem that conventional option for tomorrow would be to have David Schneider uh, go down. Let's go back to the phones four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cell. Uh, Guy joining us from Maple. Guy, what's on your mind? Hey, show. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, we have a day off on Monday. We have a day off on Thursday. We got two guys in our lineup who haven't seen a major league pitch in a week and a half and six days. You know, they're going to go. 0 for 3 most likely. It's not easy to just come back after an injury. Plus three holes in Espinal, Kirk, and Guerrero. How are you going to win a game? And then you and then you bench, or you sorry, you sit Springer. You don't start Schneider. Espinal is completely useless. He can't hit. He plays average defense this year. He can't run. He's the one that needs to go down to the minors. Keep Schneider up here. And you know what? You need to bring up another guy to, to see if you can get some at-bats where they're quality at-bats. Even Nathan Luke said more quality at-bats in his three or four games than some of these guys have had in two months. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. What are, these guys, what are these guys watching? Like, it seems like the fans 
have more common sense than Schneider. Schneider's worse than Montoyo. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand what he's doing game in and game out. I, you know, I, I understand you get the cards that are dealt to you, but to bench or to sit Springer again with this weak lineup and you don't do anything about it. You know what? They're not going to send Espinal down because they don't have it in them to do it. They're going to send Schneider down, which is the wrong move, and they need to bring another guy up. And, and it's been complete mismanagement between Atkins not getting a bat all season, Schneider not knowing how to manage. Mattingly, I'm not impressed with him. I, I, I honestly believe Schneider was a lot better last year than this. I don't know if it has to do with Mattingly. And, and Guillermo Martinez is completely useless. He's sitting in the dugout, hiding in the back. You, you see all the players talking to Bichette and, and, and Encarnacion when they're, when, you know, and other guys, and they're not talking to him. So I'm just, I'm just very frustrated, and I just want to know what your thoughts are on, on, you know, is it time that we bring up another bat and maybe make some sort of move where somebody unexpected needs to sit or, or, or be sent down outside of Espinal? Hang up and listen. Gee, yeah, no, I appreciate the call, man. I feel, I feel the frustration. I, uh, t- I very much appreciate it. I think a lot of people feel the same way you do. Um, you know, when it comes to calling up a bat to your question, I think like the most, the, the next most major league ready bat, and Casey Kandel actually was on with Blair and Barker, Buffalo Bisons manager, uh, I think a couple of days ago. And he, he came on largely to talk about what he, what he was seeing from the major leaguers that were down in the minors. He talked about Bo and Richards and green and so on, but he was also talking a little bit about some of these bats that could get called up. And I think the guy he heaped the most praise on, and a lot of the callers and texters have talked about this guy over the next, uh, or the last part of me, last couple of months, I would say is Spencer Horwitz. The, like the only problem really is that Horwitz like largely, and I'm sure a lot of these younger guys can move around if they really, really needed to. But right now, for the most part, Spencer Horwitz plays at first base. And right now you have Brandon Belt occupying a near everyday role. Certainly you already have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. occupying an everyday role. And and Spencer Horwitz, again, Kandel uh, heaped praise upon him in the sense of he was, he's the most professional hitter for such a young age, and he's a very advanced in his preparation and all these different things. So I, I suppose it could be him. But beyond Horowitz, like the only other guys I think you'd feel, com- like the only guy perhaps you'd feel comfortable calling up from a position player standpoint, because I mean, as much as it would be cool to see Ricky Tiedemann pitch for the Blue Jays, I'm not even sure they really have a space for him right now, given how well everyone is pitched. But I mean, it's it, like the only other position player I can think of would probably be Addison Barger, I would think. And, and again, I, I, maybe, maybe if things were a little more dire and it's kind of tough to say that they could be more dire considering that if the, now that the blue Jays lost if the Mariners win tonight, then the blue Jays will, I believe at the end of tonight, if the Mariners hold on, they were up one, nothing last I checked. Thanks to Julio Rodriguez. But if uh, they do hold on for that win over the Astros, then the Mariners and Jays will flip-flop, and at the end of Jays talk, very well could be that the Jays are not in a playoff position. So I, I'm not sure that it is necessarily going to be incumbent on a new bat from the minors. It really just is going to be incumbent, as far as I'm concerned, on the guys on this team already. And the, the Springer is sitting thing, we'll have to wait and see what uh, what John Schneider says to the media maybe in a, in a couple of minutes here. But, you know, George Springer certainly had the off day yesterday. I kind of wonder if they felt they didn't they they could afford to rest Springer against a pitcher like 
Brett Kennedy, right? I'm not saying you count your chickens before they hatch necessarily, but maybe they also felt on the other side of things that perhaps Springer, an older guy, has had some injury history. You get him two days off, and then you have him play basically every day for the rest of the week. I mean, you're going to play Saturday, Sunday. You have a day off on Monday, and then you play every game for Springer against the Baltimore Orioles when you really need to. But it is it is a little baffling, at the very least, not to see Springer later in this game. We didn't see him at all in this one. Uh, let's go back to the phones. 416-870-0590. 590 star 590 on your cell. Uh, Matt joining us from the West Coast. Matt calling from Vancouver. What's on your mind? Thanks, Joe. Um, well, uh, first of all, I didn't see the game. Uh, and if Apple TV wants to take a few from us, they might as well take one of these ones. So I'm not too... Uh, upset about that in the end as before but yeah i'm uh you just kind of mentioned it right there i've been looking at the standings and uh the game i do have on right now is the one with seattle and uh houston and i mean i did go to the game uh in seattle uh, two of them the first two and i came away kind of feeling like uh that looks like a team that can kind of hang with the blue jays at the time i was surprised of the separation in the standings and I have been hearing some of the uh, interviews, obviously, that uh, the brass or the um, khakis, whatever you want to call them, have been giving. And it seems like uh, Ross Atkins uh, believes that they're going to get hot at some point in the schedule. So um, I guess I was looking at it, and it looks maybe like it, they think their their hot streak could kind of be kind of towards the end of the month. They have, like, um, I mean – Cleveland showed they can hang with them. They split that series and then they play Washington. And then it looks like they got the, I think the Rockies and um, the athletics after that. So if that's enough for them to get hot, to um, hang, you know, push them back and give them a, uh, enough of a, a, a start to stay ahead of Seattle. Um, basically I'm just like on a scale of 10, how concerned should we be about Seattle? They look like a team that is just ready to, break the hearts of blue Jays fans in, in Canada. So that's what I got. And I'd love to hear what you think about it. Sure. Hey, Matt, I appreciate you joining me. Thanks for calling from Vancouver. I, uh, Hey, look, you're not wrong. I on, honest to God, I, I am sh- consistently shocked that the blue Jays, pardon me, the Mariners can kind of like get away with so many close games as they have in the, even against like that Royal series doing their best to not win a lot of those games and they traded away their closer. They're still kind of getting away with it because, because Hey, their best hitters are being their best hitters. I mean, tonight, I think Mike Ford hit a home run since we were last talking about it, but Julio Rodriguez is their star player and you're getting production at the very least recently out of your star players. Cal Raleigh did a lot of damage in that series against the Royals. And yes, the Royals are not the best team in on, on the face of the planet. And the blue Jays are going to get their own shot at the Royals in the not too distant future. But it's true. Like when it comes to the, the Mariners and again, if they win tonight, they are going to be ahead of the blue Jays in the wildcard race. It's tough because they have their perhaps one of the softest parts of their schedule happening right now. Now the Blue Jays are going to be taking on, I forget the exact order, but it's going to be in some order, the Rockies, the A's, uh, the uh, the Guardians certainly as well, which they're not certainly one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball, but you know they, they're also seemingly struggling despite the uh, 2-2 series split just a couple of weeks ago. You know, the, certainly the Royals are in there as well. Like there are a lot of teams that the Blue Jays in theory should be able to take advantage of. It's just, I'm not sure we have seen the consistent enough results to think that in a, in three games in like, you know, four, three game series against teams that you quote unquote should beat the blue Jays 
can be consistent enough. It's just, there was a text here, uh, 590, 590, name and location, and uh, I was kind of like kind of laughing at what we were talking about. If we can find it. Here it is. Ken in London. Uh, show, you say they can do much better hitting. Please explain the facts and not hopes and dreams. I eagerly await it. Ken from London. It, it, the thing is, is that it, it's not that it, it's it's like, like some kind of fairy tale that this team has been good. Like it, it just somehow every person in this lineup has seemingly underperformed at the same time. And and I think that that's why it's fair when people say, oh, well, it's the hitting coach. You replace the hitting coaches, replace the hitting uh, uh, analysts or whatever their positions are called, because it's not only Guillermo Martinez. And again, like uh, Ben Shulman and I have talked about this in the past. I think there is some credence to the fact that when the team was very good offensively in 2021, largely the same guys in 2022, when you also had a pretty decent offense, also largely the same guys. And you also didn't have Marcus Simeon, for example, last season. So like how much could have really changed year over year when you have virtually the same guys and then you add someone like Don Mattingly, it's just kind of, it's kind of wild to Geese point from earlier. Like how, how can you have Don Mattingly and then have your team get so much worse offensively? Like I, I truly believe it goes beyond just like beyond simply saying, Oh, we traded Hey Oscar Hernandez. We traded Lourdes Gurriel jr. Like those guys, absolutely would help when it comes to offensive production, but their absence and again, you can probably point a little bit to protection and so on different guys in the order. And you know, I think that that matters to a certain degree, but not when everyone is struggling like this, like everyone, Vladimir Guerrero jr. George Springer has looked better as of late, but as we're talking about, he didn't play tonight and he hasn't looked super consistent, even though he has looked better after the over 35 slide Chapman has not looked great. Kirk has not looked great. And yes, Kevin Kiermeyer and Chapman, for example, first time coming off the IL, but three hits tonight for the Blue Jays. I think three hits and two walks was the balance of, of the scoring in a shutout one nothing loss. That is uh is not good. Uh let's go back to the phones. 416-870-0590-188-666-0590, star five ninety on your cell. I almost forgot the numbers, which is crazy because they're right here in front of me. Uh let's go back to the phones. Uh Bob calling in from Toronto. Bob, what's on your mind? Uh, hi, show. Uh, you and your opening comments made the perfect word. I said the perfect word, which was unacceptable. There's no other way of describing this uh, team right now. Uh, they, the uh, Cincinnati Reds bring up a pitcher from the independent league with an earned run average, something like six and so on, and we can't score a run off him in the, in, in the game at all. Uh, I, I think it's time that that word unacceptable be said by John Schneider. John is a good guy. I understand that. But it's it's time that he showed us that he is really not accepting this sort of thing anymore and not accepting it. I, I know you said about the uh, the hitting coaches and last year and so on. Last year is last year. This year is still the hitting coach, and if he was that good last year to help them, then what is he doing now? That's the other way to look at it. I think they're not doing what they need to do to correct. They, you keep hearing about the fact that Vladdy can't catch up to a fastball or, he, or that Marshall maybe he's doing a toe tap and now he's going to start hitting a little better. Let's hear from, from Schneider about answers to some of these questions and let's hear from the hitting coaches in the same way. John Schneider, come on the air and say, this is not acceptable. We've got to play better. 
hey, Bob, I appreciate the call, man. I, I agree with you. I 1000% think that these kinds of outputs, like you're going to lose games. There's, there's, there's not, it's not as though you're just like never going to lose a game if you're the Blue Jays or really any team in any sport ever, but it's just the way they're losing these games when the offense looks so lifeless sometimes. It just, it's, you know what the, the wildest thing to me is? We just saw, what day is today? Today is a Friday. So I guess on Sunday, back at the Rogers Center, because we had the mini two game series against the Phillies. Uh, there were days off in uh, kind of around those games, those games, the day off yesterday, day off on Monday. On Sunday, I was down at the Dome with uh, with Ben Shulman and the Blue Jays annihilated the Chicago Cubs. It, what, what was the final score? It was 11 to four or something like that. And that team looks wildly different from the team we saw tonight or at, at for large stretches of the series against the Phillies, even frankly, like, earlier in the series against the Cubs. They lost the first two games of that series against the Cubs, it is just wild to see the difference in approach. And again, it's not as the Hunter green for the reds. He's going to come off the IL. I don't know if he actually already has, or if he will come off in some kind of procedural move for the reds on Sunday, but he's going to pitch for the reds on Sunday and he's pretty nasty. Young guy throws some filthy stuff. Again, I'm not here to like bag on Brett Kennedy by any means, but Brett Kennedy is not, it's not Clayton Kershaw going out there, right? There's not like, I don't know, Randy Johnson out there. It's a guy who's a spot starter coming in for an NL central team that has largely outside of guys like Andrew Abbott and so on struggled with uh, starting pitching. Like they just, I think the Reds just DFA'd Luke Weaver not too long ago because they had been struggling so much and gave Brett Kennedy a start because they've been, they need more innings and they just, the Blue Jays can't get, get a quality approaches there was a text here from someone. I, I don't think there's actually a name on this one. So uh, do send me your name and location just so I can give you a, give you a shout out. But you know, like, like there's one from Stephen Williams, for example, uh, Stephen in William Williams Lake in BC, pardon me. Uh, Stephen says, if we can't get any hits against these average slash decent pitchers during the regular season, what hope do we have against the Jays hitting against the league's best pitchers? What are we to do? Uh, there's another one. Uh, I'm, I'm just so bleeping. That's okay. Pissed off and frustrated <laughs> a lot of myself because I'm one of the idiots that drank the Kool-Aid about how good this team was going to be. The, you know, the crazy thing is like the team is still very good. It's just not good in the ways you expected necessarily. Like the offense should be far better than this. And yet, like we we're talking about everyone underperforming at the same time, uh, Bob wanted a hair from John Schneider. John Schneider did, or at least is speaking to the media. Let's hear a little bit of what he had to say about of course, the lack of offense tonight. Uh, it just wasn't our night, really. You know, I think we had pitches to hit. We didn't hit them um, that were in the zone that we usually do. And, um, you know, kind of got in a little bit of a rut there in the middle of the game. But um, I think it just kind of wasn't our night. You know, just looking back at pitches, you know, they were there. And I think we just missed our pitches to hit tonight. I think it's just how they're executing. You know, I, I think, that you know, the prep work is there. I think, you know, they were, uh, for the most part, you know, Witt gets a hit, steals second. You know, Varsh gets a hit, you know, second inning, whatever it was. And I think it, after that, it was kind of just missing our pitches. So uh, it just comes down to executing. You know, generally speaking, I do take coaches, managers in baseball, but just generally speaking, I, I take coaches at their word. <laughs> I do think after a one nothing loss, hearing the manager say, ah, it just wasn't our night. I don't think it's going to you know, make it too many people feel good about uh, what went on because it's true. Like kind of to Bob's point, like 
it, it, I'm not saying John Schneider doesn't take accountability because I actually do. I actually genuinely believe he does take accountability when he really, really needs to. And yeah, I mean, look, it's August 18th. It's a tough loss because not just because it's a, it was a kind of a lifeless offensive performance, but also because there are teams like breathing down the blue Jays neck. So I get why it hurts a lot more than, than a normal mid August loss probably would, but boy, it does kind of somewhat feel like you kind of hand wave it away when, when you hear answers like, ah, it's just not our night. And maybe that's true. Like the other thing is it could, what he's saying could very well be true. They missed a bunch of fastballs that were thrown at like 91, 92 miles an hour from Brett Kennedy right down the middle, like batting practice throws that you see when there's, when there's no one on base, you know, when the cages are up right down the middle and they just, for whatever reason, didn't swing at those pitches. So I, I'm not sure what they were seeing. Maybe they were just, and they being the Blue Jays batters, maybe they were expecting something else, but boy, it just, that is not the approach you want to see from your team's uh, best hitters. You know, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll go back to the phones. A lot of people still on the line and go back to the text line and it is absolutely blowing up. So we'll be here for a little while longer. You're listening to Jay's Talk, Show Ali with you on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Yeah, he was awesome. You know, I think the only thing, the only blemish really for him was pitch count. You know, a couple walks that were kind of uncharacteristic of him, but great life on his fastball up to 97. He was spotting the ball, you know, well, um, you know, kind of caught up a little bit in the third inning with a quick inning, but I thought he was outstanding. You know, didn't give up a hit to the sixth. Uh, Wiggled out of some trouble too, but, um, you know, he was was dialed in, man. His stuff was good, and I think team like this you know you just can't really issue that many free passes and if he didn't he he may still be pitching right now but I thought he was really really good tonight that is John Schneider discussing the Knights from Jose Barrios who uh, absolutely deserved a better fate he did not get the win or at the very least he didn't take the loss I suppose which is a which is a win but uh, the way he was pitching I uh, definitely think he deserved a better fate and I I dare say many of you guys think that as well Uh, welcome back to Jay's talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you for another 15 minutes or so as we discuss the Blue Jays' one nothing walk-off shutout loss to the Cincinnati Reds in the first of three. Chris Bassett will head to the mound tomorrow for the Blue Jays. Uh, before we go back to the phones and go back to the text line, let's go to the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game is still being played. 19-plus play responsibly, Ontario only. So uh, all the uh, teams in the uh, American League East in action tonight, and uh, certainly all the teams around in and around the Blue Jays as well. So here's how some of the games are going. Boston crushed New York the Red Sox taking on the Yankees in a matchup that like oddly like in, in the years past Red Sox Yankees had a lot of like shine to it I'm not so sure right now Red Sox Yankees has as much shine as it as it used to but uh, the Red Sox hammered the Yankees eight to three today in the Bronx so New York falling further under 500 in that one uh, the Rays are on the west coast as are the Orioles the Rays are taking on the Angels in Los Angeles. The game is tied 1-1 currently. The Orioles are currently leading the Athletics 3-1. And uh, we did talk about the uh, Mariners game. They're taking on the Astros, actually, which are two teams that are, at the very least right now, right sandwiched around the Blue Jays. The Astros in the number two wildcard spot 
Jays in the third wild card spot for now. Mariners, the very next team, knocking on the door in the, I guess, the fourth spot, if you want to call it that. But uh, the Mariners leading still 2-0 in the bottom of the seventh inning over the Astros at Minute Maid Park. So here are the standings, keeping in mind, of course, that some of these games are still going on. Uh, the Blue Jays, pardon me, the uh, the Baltimore Orioles atop the division are 74-47 and 47, entering play tonight against the A's. The Rays, 73-50, and 50, entering play against the Angels. The Blue Jays with the loss, 67-56. and 56. The Boston Red Sox with the win are 64-58. and 58. They are two and a half games back of the Jays in that final wild card spot. The Yankees, 60-62. and 62. And if we take a look at the wild card race, of course, uh, the Blue Jays and the Mariners, technically, why winning percentage are uh, even right now. But, of course, if the Mariners win, they will hold the final wild card spot over the Toronto Blue Jays. Houston right now, record-wise, is a 70-52, so they could be 70-53 if they do drop that game to Seattle. That's a quick check of the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. I did want to talk just very briefly, before we go back to the phones, about Jose Barrios, just because, I, again, we heard Schneider talk about him. He's He was great, I thought, today. You know, after a start, he wasn't so great, perhaps, against the Cubs, you don't have too many starts in a row where Barrios, certainly this year at the very least, where Barrios has blow up games. So the final line for him, five and two thirds, one hit, no runs. He did walk four, but he did have eight strikeouts. So he did get hosed a couple of times in this one, perhaps most notably in that second inning on, on what was just a terrible call to, to Tyler Stevenson. It was 100% a strike. Yes, it was on the edge of the zone. So it's kind of hard to argue sometimes with those ones that are with a naked eye being seen at the edge of the zone. Uh, Kirk framed it pretty well, I thought as well, and that would have ended the inning. In, instead, the count three and two after that, Stevenson eventually walks. Thankfully, it didn't bite him in the end because he strikes out Will Benson like right after that. But I, I, I suppose it did even out very late in this one. And Ben and Blake talked about it on the broadcast. Alexis Diaz, who is nasty, paints the corner on a two-two pitch right in the the lower right corner as you're watching it on the broadcast, and that should have frankly sent Biggio back to the dugout. It's called a ball, and then Biggio is called out on a strike that was placed in almost literally the exact same place. And now that's a strike, but that's tough. Like, man, he even said, you could hear him on the radio broadcast. You could hear the the words out of Biggio's mouth. And I think he, what he had said was, it was literally the same pitch, which is hilarious because how often do you hear those conversations between players and umpires? But he's right. It just, maybe it's just a, a, another glaring example in both cases for both the Reds and for the Blue Jays when we're discussing the Barrios uh, pitched it to, to Stevenson earlier, perhaps just another example of why the naked eye for humans perhaps should not be doing this again. It, it's not an easy job by any means. And the umpire himself does grade out generally speaking pretty well, all things considered, but um, yeah, it is another, another example for the, for the robots. Um, also, I am thankful that Burrios did not suffer anything serious when he got hit by that comebacker as well. Great play by him on that hit to knock the ball down. He throw from his knees, to second base, get the lead runner. Great stuff by him. But hey, I mean, Barrios was great tonight. He has been great for so much of the season, right? He allowed the first base hit of the game with one out in the sixth inning. Matt McClain gets aboard with a single. And up until that point, he was largely ahead in the count. The slurve looked great. The changeup was effective. And those two pitches have been largely extremely effective for him all season long. McClain uh, singled off the sinker. I didn't really mind the move to take Burrios out 
with Varro coming to the plate, with runners on first and third, like he had already gotten through parts of top of the order, like relatively speaking, unscathed, considering there were no runs in that up until that point in the game. And the last time up, Joey Votto blasted a ball to the moon, albeit uh, very foul. So perhaps best to not play with fire, even if it does mean Barrios is uh, somewhat robbed of a better fate. Certainly he could have gotten a quality start had he gotten just one more out, and he pitched uh, very well overall tonight. And then you go to the bullpen, and again, it's kind of, again, hard to argue with uh, with going to the bullpen after a day off. But uh, again, this this loss does not fall on the defense. It does not fall on Barrios or the bullpen. I, I mean, certainly it falls at least to a certain extent on Jordan Hicks because this is a guy who can throw 102 miles an hour, and he's throwing a, a sweeper to get blasted by a rookie who is also very talented. But, I mean, I don't know. Use your, use your speed. We have seen him, and the last time up he did this, uh, effectively, we have seen him. I think Caleb Joseph has used the term yo-yo guys, like to kind of rock batters with like 102 miles an hour, then an 85 mile an hour pitch, then back up to the triple digits. We have seen him do that to relatively speaking great effect this season, but uh, did not see that. Uh, did not see that tonight. All right, let's go back to the phones. Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety one triple eight triple six. 0590 star 590 on your cell a bill calling in from Lindsay bill what's on your mind hey show how's it going uh it could be better bill no, no one yes. likes one nothing walk-off losses no i understand that it's terrible um and uh, the one thing for me is it's a bit of a contradiction in some ways because i'm a lifelong or a franchise long jays fan okay but i'm a lifelong cincinnati reds fan because I, of course i'm older than the jays are so I follow both teams very closely. Why the and, Reds? Uh, Can I just ask, Bill, why the Reds specifically? Well, because when I was young, uh, they were an incredible team. And I was, I was uh, you know, eight years old when the big red machine started taking off. Okay. And, of course, that team was just unbelievable. So I, and they were, you know, back in those days, you only got one game uh, per week, essentially. And they were, they were televised more than every team, essentially, because they were, you know, the best team back then. And, and I've latched on to them ever since. Plus, I'm a, I, I'll be quick with this, but I'm a, my favorite number is 11 because of Gilbert Perot. I'm a lifelong okay. Sabres and Bills fan. <laughs> okay. So I also love the Reds, and I also love Barry Larkin. So I have a Barry Larkin shirt because he wore number 11. He's my favorite shortstop Hall of Famer as well. Yeah. So all those things kind of tie up with each other and 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 just on a little bit of an aside i'd like to say uh rest in peace to rick generat yes uh wonderful wonderful broadcaster and a wonderful man and uh, and, and it's been a tough day i've uh, tough last couple of days for for fans of the sabers yeah le- hey, le- legendary broadcaster and i think the mayday call will live forever it absolutely will we- it, it's, it will, and, and 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 funny enough, I was in. I was first row behind the Boston bench for that game. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I and of course, I saw I, quickly. I mean, now we're a bit off track, but this is a, this is pretty cool. That towards towards R.J. Rick Jenneret, we were. We, I looked over as, as soon as it happened because it happened right in front of me. One of the greatest goals ever at the comeback in the whole nine yards. But anyway, I said to my buddy. I said, oh, my God, when I looked over at Rick, he was almost fell out of the booth. And I had no idea what he was saying at that point because it was all happening at once. So, of course, back in those days, there was no Internet or anything. So we waited till we went out in the street for the big party. And, of course, all the cars are playing the huge, huge call. So I was like, go. that's what he was saying. No wonder. So anyway, sorry, I got off track there. But uh, but as far as the Reds and the Jays go, I, they, of course, the Jays played the NL Central this year. And, and the NL Central is quite maligned, almost almost, the, you know, the, that in the AL Central, I guess. But 
this is the fourth uh, team they're playing, and if they lose another one to the Reds, they'll have lost three out of four series to the NL Central, and the only team they would have beaten would have been the Pirates, or is the Pirates, uh, which everybody's supposed to beat the Pirates. So, you know, it's funny because they're both kind of mirroring each other right now as far as being on the edge of the playoffs, and they're both having actually, the pitching's not been terrible for the Reds, but their hitting's been bad. That's why this game was so low scoring, on top, pretty much, because the Jays are in the same boat that way. But anyway, it just it just shows that you know this the the, the NL Central how, is it is it better than what it's supposed to be or are the Jays just middling in that that area? Anyway, I just uh, I thought I'd bounce that off you. Yeah. yeah, hey Bill, I appreciate the call. Thanks for joining us here on uh, on Jays Talk tonight after a tough loss. It's true. I mean, you look at the NL Central Brewers in this order. This is how the 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 standings shake out for the NL Central: Brewers, Reds, Cubs, Pirates and Cardinals, and I mean, the Blue Jays struggled with the Cardinals early in the season, like in the literal very beginning of the season, and uh, you're right, they beat the Pirates, and that was a fun series, but then again, the Pirates, and even though the Pirates were, you know, quote-unquote good at the time the Blue Jays played them, they have certainly not been since. They're 54 and 67, it's true. It's a, it's a, it's a super odd split with the NL Central this season because the Blue Jays have beaten up on virtually every other team. It kind of feels like, right? They did beat the Brewers ultimately this season, but boy, it's just strange to see that it's the it's the NL Central that they, I don't want to say necessarily struggle against, but you definitely feel like there should be better results, I would think. Uh, yeah, Ben Shulman uh, texted me to say um, they did beat the Brewers in a series, I believe. Uh, no no texting while you're driving, Ben. Stop texting. I know, I know where you live. I'm going to report you. No texting while driving, but I will see you tomorrow. Uh, I see some other texts here on the text line. Uh, it's actually no name on uh, on this one. It just says uh, earlier in the season, they got no hit by the Tigers, by the Tigers. As Iverson would say, practice. We talking about practice. Um, there's another one here. Uh, let's see. Tom in Orangeville says, I think that caller meant make, making the players accountable. It's almost September and we'll st- we're still talking about effort, approach, stupid base running mistakes. These guys aren't named Alomar White, Carter, et cetera. You can't just let them be, be tough hold them accountable. I I do think that that is happening, but it's just so wild that it's all happening. Like if we, we said this before, like you, you can kind of sort of with batting order things, you can kind of hide, hide guys. If you need to, like you can kind of move things around and manipulate the lineup to a certain extent to make sure you hide some of your, your lesser quote unquote batters. But you can't really do that when literally everyone is performing poorly. Maybe literally is the, I shouldn't say literally because there are some guys that are playing well, like Whit Merrifield, for example, continues to play well, both on the bases, uh, base running in the field with the defense, whether he's in left or second, and certainly at the plate as well. But I don't know. It's hard to give too much praise to pretty much anyone on a night where you score a big fat zero runs. Um, I see another one here from Mike in St. John. He says, hey, show my favorite part of the game was hearing the two men and a truck song. That song is a banger. You know what it is? It is quite the earworm, I will say. Um, maybe that's because I hear it like a million times a day, as does uh, Tom Tom Young and Nick Blackmore. Um, but uh, Mike says, uh, Espinal needs to be sent down. De Young gets DFA. We bring up Ernie Clement, who's raking in AAA, and then activate Bichette. Move. Bo to third in the lineup, bat Witt and Springer before him. So, Mike, if you did miss this, and again, th- things could certainly change, but uh, Blair and Barker had their weekly chat with Schneider earlier today, and I think Kevin straight up asked him, like, are you just going to have Bo in the two-hole when he comes back? And he kind of just said yes. Like, he just straight up said, yeah, he's going to bat second. And I think they, they kind of talked around it a little bit, like, could that change down the road? And it's very possible it could change 
But I, I do think at the very least for the rest of the series, and this kind of sounds like they're going to ease Bo back into it. So I kind of wonder if that means he, he might even DH tomorrow. But, um, you know, I, I, w- I would think you're going to at the very least see Merrifield, Bo, maybe Springer, Vladdy. I could see something like that. Maybe you have Belton there if you really want to mix it up, depending on who's on the mound tomorrow for the Reds, because, you know, they like to get a lefty bat a little higher if they can. But a top four of... Wit, Bo, Springer, Vladdy. I think that sounds okay. But, you know, on Vladdy, there was a text here from earlier. I'm just going to find it real quick because here it is. Tina from London. Can we please discuss honestly about Vladdy? I've had it. It's September. So please don't say it's early. Well, it's August, but I I, I take your point. Uh, Tonight, Belt battles 10 pitches to take a walk. And then Vladdy takes the first hit fly ball. It doesn't leave the infield. I know our bench is not deep, but we don't need Vladdy hitting third, fourth, or fifth. There's a lot more to the text as well. But look, the problem is, like, he's not hitting well. You're not wrong. He's not. But at the same time, he is not going to hit lower than fourth or fifth, I would think, right? Like, he's not hitting in the the lower half of this lineup because I don't think anyone (laughs) wants to see Vladdy hitting below Varsho or Kirk at this point or Chapman or any of the other guys. It's just, that's just not going to happen. But there's no question that he needs to play better. Right. And your point, Tina, is well taken about Belt working a long AB for a walk, and then he lifts a long fly ball to left field. I did want to take a sec to promote an article that I think would interest many of you on uh, MLB.com or BlueJays.com, written by Mike Petriello, and you can often see him on Blue Jays Central. The article is titled, 11 Theories Explaining Vlad's Confusing 2023 Season. I heartily recommend you check it out because it addresses a lot of the things we, we consistently discuss on Jays Talk, but uh, hey, I, we, I hope we don't have to talk about it too much tomorrow, but... Uh, you know, Boba Shed, again, I said this off the top, Boba Shed is just but one man. He can only do so many things. And I'm no doubt he will make the offense better, but uh, I'm not sure it will solve everything. Uh, thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rest Protection. New and used vehicle prices are rising and inventory is scarce. Avoid the hassle of buying prematurely by making your vehicle last longer with Crown Rust Protection. For a special summer offer on rust protection, visit crown.com today. For Ben Schulman, Blake Murphy, Tom Young, Nick Blackmore, I'm Show Ali. We're out of here. Let's hope for let's hope for one run. Let's ask for just one run tomorrow. Let's hope for that tomorrow. Talk to you then.